This is the Evolution Exchange podcast, a channel that connects some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordics region. I'm Andy. I help connect businesses with the best UX and UI freelance talent. And today I'm your host. Welcome back to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Tomas, who's the lead product designer at the Kindred Group. I've got Jens, who's the design and product leadership coach at 71 Consulting, Magnus, head of user experience at Delarval, and lastly, Frida, who's head of design at Arc. And we're here today to discuss the topic, creating high performance teams. Before we dig deeper into the topic, let's work our way around the room with some introductions. And uh, Tomas, if you want to kick us off and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Sure, Hi everyone. My name is Thomas. I'm, uh, as you mentioned, Andrew, uh, working for Kindred Group as a lead product designer. I've been working with design for way too long already, uh, but they took me through an amazing journey from uh, advertising through freelancing all the way to product design, where I finally found myself as an, as an area of my focus. Yeah, I'm originally from Slovakia, but living in Sweden for the past three years after I joined Kindred. And yeah, um, looking forward to discuss this stuff with you, with you guys. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And uh, I'll head over to you, Jens. Please introduce yourself for us. Mm. Hi, everyone. Uh, so my name is Jens Vedin. I work at a company called 71 Consulting. It's a small uh, consulting company working with uh, leadership, transformation, change and that kind of stuff. Uh, I've been working as a designer and with design leadership for about 20 years. Uh, I worked at agencies and consultant companies, but also at government agencies and uh, large enterprises. Uh, I live in Stockholm and uh, yeah, I live in Stockholm with my with my family and two kids. Lovely, thank you. Uh, Frida, please uh, introduce yourself. Uh, yes. Um, hi, all, everyone. So. Uh, Frida, I'm the head of design at ARC. ARC is a group of companies, consists right now of, what is it, nine companies? Um, so myself, I'm uh, responsible for the capability regarding all product design related. So it's used researchers, UX designers, visual designers. Uh, so for myself, I'm a UX designer. Um, yeah, that's how I started my career. But the uh, last couple of years, it's mainly been like uh, leading designers rather than uh, being into the craft myself. Um, yeah, and uh, from as a UX designer, I'm also perhaps a bit onto the quantitative side of things, which it's uh, my twist when it comes to design. Lovely, thank you very much. And last but not least, Magnus, please tell us about yourself. All right. Um, uh, good afternoon. Good evening. Uh, my name is Magnus Stolium. I'm head of UX at call, a company called Delaval. Um, Delaval is a company producing dairy equipment, basically the stuff that makes the milk come out of the cows in the farms. Um, and I've been a design consultant basically all my career. Started off when I was 20, running the Repro Camera, one of the agencies, doing some freelance illustration with airbrush and stuff like that. Um, eventually bumped into digital design, and hey, there I am today. Um, so yeah, no, I, I, you know, I get paid to do what I love the most. So I'm super happy with this. And I enjoy the fact that I actually now can work with product development, which is uh, insanely exciting, I must say. Um, leave my family um, an hour outside of Stockholm, uh, bought a house or no, built a house. Um, and you talked about passions, um, cooking, reading, love it. Took up horse riding um, a couple of years ago. And it seems I got a real knack for actually falling off this damn thing. So. Yeah, that's my my passion in life. 
<laughs> that's brilliant magnus thank you for that um okay thank you for all introducing yourself they're all great and now we've got a bit of a, a background on all of you um so let's move on into the topic of focus which is creating high performance teams as usual i'll work around the room asking each of you uh, to pose a question and the reasons behind that question relating to our topic so we'll start us off today with jens please can we have your question and a little bit of background about it yeah right uh, so uh, i often work with uh, with teams and trying to create these high performance teams or creating uh, a good environment for for people to be able to uh, to work and to be to be happy and uh, cre create what they love so <clears throat> my question is that uh, 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 the question is that uh, how do we as a design leader or as a leader uh, create these right conditions to happen and is it that we have to help them uh, frame the problem uh, make sure it's a, a better alignment around the mission and goals or is it to like make like uh, be able to f uh, make the team uh, find focus time or is it about creating this kind of good good culture that we're looking for? So that is kind of my uh, my question. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. Um, a really interesting way to look at the topic as well. So uh, go on, I'm going to be picky. We'll go with Frida first. Let's uh, <laughs> let's see see what your take is on uh, Jens's question. Yeah, um, I think this question is really difficult, and that probably is because the <laughs> answer is it depends. And uh, I know it's going to laugh about that in this room, but um, I do not think there's a one single answer to it. Um, it really meant different things for different uh, teams, also especially depending on what the outcome of the team or what what their what the result, what the team is working towards. So identifying is it a team that needs to work to collaborate more? Is it a team that we need to focus a bit more? Is it teams? Um, yeah, it depends. So. For me, going into it, what I do with teams is get to know the team, see the individuals, how they collaborate. Sometimes you need to help them with the goal. Sometimes you need to help them with the collaboration. So it's more about figuring out the need of the team, um, more or less in the same way as we do with the designers. Uh, designers do for users. Um, we need to figure out the team's needs and then help them with that. So that's, that's what I do anyway. No, that's that's a really good, uh, really good point you made there. Um, Magnus, could you expand on that a little bit for us? Uh, yeah, sure. Um, uh, a thousand dollar question, isn't it? Right. If we <laughs> solve this one, we shouldn't be sitting here. Right. But again, it's a really valid question. I, I agree with both of you. I mean, it, it all depends on the team, the dynamics of the teams, the individuals, the context and the, the, the task at hand. Um, and it, those are very, you know, special. For, for each instance. Now, one of the things that I realized I learned during my years of leading teams um, is, and I, I think the key is here to, to unlock people, right? To unlock their, their potential and capacity in different ways. And one of the things I realized, apart from what you said, Frida, which I agree with, is to encourage people to follow up on what I refer to as passion projects. It could be something that has a direct linkage with the stuff that we're doing, or it could be something in parallel, something that just kind of makes them feel good, get the juices flowing, because that quite often rubs off 
on their the work within the project and then you get this kind of very positive energy in the team as well with a lot of people doing what they do and what they love doing right um but i think again i you know it's not a patent solution it doesn't fit all at every instance but i think that's something that's been working at least for me in the past and thomas finally um have you any thoughts on what you know the question as a whole or what magnus or frida have just touched on there yeah definitely agree with what was said so far um and don't want to repeat all of that but uh, maybe to add a slightly different view from my perspective is um but as we said um, it's very important to focus on team first uh because regardless of what is the project what is the mission if your team doesn't work um the mission or the project becomes obsolete because you cannot really deliver on, on any of those so for me it's always team first if and it it's also because team is something you have under control. The mission or the project you have a limited amount of control usually about. So um, it's it's also a balancing on what you can actually influence or what you cannot. Brilliant, thank you, uh, all three of you there. And Jens, have you, you know, uh, interesting to hear from the other guests there and what Thomas picked up on the end about the focus. Um, have you any like further comments from what you've heard or anything else to to say on your question there? Yeah, as I, as Magnus said, this is the uh, $10 million <laughs> question. Yeah. Uh, and it's, in, uh, as Frida says, it depends many times. And many times what, what I'm trying to uh, help the team with uh, is that, like the, the basic need uh, to create uh, this uh, good co collaboration and performance is uh, is like two things: finding uh, motivation, uh, as as uh, Magnus said, that kind of finding some kind of project that motivates uh, people. But also, if you look at it from a broader perspective, uh, people have different mot motivators depending on uh, situation and time and so on. So if you can find what motivates some uh, person or individual right now and kind of help them with that. So you get that because motivation is the fuel, the energy that uh, creates uh, passion and, and uh, uh, good work. Uh, so that's one thing. Uh, and the other thing is that trying to find, uh, uh, the, like make people trust each other. And that's super hard. <laughs> Because if the team don't trust each other and respect each other, uh, you you will not get a performance high performance teams or any good team at all, and that's uh, super hard <laughs> uh, to to find that trust and respect uh, between each other. Yeah, and Magnus, did you want to pick up on something um, on what Jens just said there? No, I, I just dawned upon me. You know, we're sitting here like four creatives, uh, fairly senior creatives with a lot of leadership experience. Uh, and you know, there's a saying like, you know, to to lead a science like you know leading a herd, like herding cats, right? In in opposite of, of you know leading engineers or you know some other traditional discipline is more like herding dogs, right? They're more like focused, like going in one school, where, whereas cats kind of go their own way. It would be interesting to state, you know, state the same question to a bunch of back-end architects, right? What is, you know, what defines a high-performing team in your sense? And just to kind of see the difference. Is our challenge as creatives different than their challenges? Or are we 
fundamentally talking about the needs of individual human beings, basically. Uh, but that was like a reflection of what we just talked about more than adding more value to, to Genesis and the other comments and questions. Well, it's a brilliant starting point. I think we've made uh, good, good headway there in answering the million dollar question. So uh, <laughs> we'll see what people think about that. But let's move it into uh, a slightly different direction. So um, Thomas, can we have your question relating around the topic, please? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, from my perspective, uh, what I'm trying to understand from other people and other views, other companies is how do you actually measure? When can you say this team is high performing? What does it mean for you in your context? And uh, how, how, how do you actually do the process of the measurement of that? And this is something on, on our end, or at least my end, is very hard to measure, as I personally don't focus too much on precise metrics. I like um, deliveries and, and dates. Those things to me are not as important as, as things as we discussed before, trust, collaboration, communication, and these are much, much harder to measure. So I would like to understand if you have a similar way, different way, how do you do this? And yeah, that's my question. Thank you very much. Yeah, I think that's a really good sort of area to discuss based around this topic is how we're going to measure uh, a high performance team. So does anyone want to uh, volunteer to, to go and kick us off with this? Jens, you look like you're going for it. Go on, let's take your uh, your take on it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> uh, so I think because when I start thinking about just the, the metric part of it, uh, I start thinking about um, uh, the kind of what impact is the, the team uh, uh, creating a business impact or um, customer in, uh, impact or value something like that uh, the things the outcomes that comes out from the from the from the team and that's of course one uh, thing that we need to look at uh, uh, because that is what the business are looking for uh, they don't want a high performance team just to be happy for its own sake because they're looking for some kind of business value, of course. Uh, so that's one part of it. Uh, and then you have to go back the, uh, to the, the internal perspective and uh, looking at happiness and motivations and that kind of stuff, because uh, the, more the, from the personal, individual, human, human perspective. And I think that's really important from, uh, uh, I'm not sure if it's because we are designers and design leaders, it's more important, but I see that uh, it's a topics that comes up more, more often in the design uh, culture and, or within the designers when, when I'm leading designers. So of course you have to measure that. Uh, and I think, for example, one uh, example that we are doing at uh, that the company that I work at is that we we track motivation and happiness and trust uh, on. Uh, only uh, a few times a month uh, for having happiness and motivation. We we track that on uh, each Friday. We get a Slack message and we answer a few questions. So instead of doing that big one once a year, uh, that um, um, measurement, we do it uh, once a week. And I think that's really good. And the other part of that is that all the information is open and transparent. So we can go, go in and look at each other's, my colleagues to see if people are motivated and happy, and if they're not, there's also often a comment about what's 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 making them not feeling motivated. I think that's a good way of doing it. 
And that's really interesting what you just said there about uh, measuring happiness. I mean, it's not something that's the easiest thing to really measure. Um, and I'd be interested to see how Magnus and Frida, I'm going to come to both of you on this one. Uh, Magnus, if you want to jump in first, how you know, how would you go about measure, measuring KPIs and on a high performance team, but especially like with things like measuring emotions? Um, yeah, I think that's, if, if the previous question was a million dollar question, it's like a hundred million dollar question, isn't it? How do you measure happiness? But I, 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 I think I do believe more in, in measuring tangible outcome rather than the actual sentiment of the team. What I do like what Jan said was that doing this kind of on a weekly basis, kind of check in on things, see how people are doing, because I don't believe in that annual survey, like, you know, you're going to, you can respond to this form and like, and, and all of a sudden the leadership team just panics because all of a sudden they need to realize that people are sorely unhappy at work, for instance. I mean, I think it's much better to do this kind of closer cadence with that and just kind of literally have your finger on the pulse. I think that's a better way of doing it. I'm not sure how you can measure it. But at least you can gauge the sentiment. You can at least react and respond to it rather than just face the reality a bit too late. And Frida, let's uh, let's come to your perspective on this then. Yeah, I'm a bit um, split in my mind right now because I'm thinking about I'm working at the consultancy. So one part of it is like high performance team, like the team at our uh, agency, but also. Uh, then at the client, to be a high performance client, we talk a lot about value. So, but values are really not a really a tangible thing to measure always. Of course, you can sometimes measure value in uh, increased sales or something else, but that's not really always value. Value can be untangled a lot in the organization, which allows this process to go more smoothly. So, measuring it as a consultancy, we do uh, we do do like. Um, monthly surveys, uh, ENPS, um, also question about stress level, value at work, um, and uh, that kind of survey to set at least some kind of monthly check-in on. It's not weekly, unfortunately, perhaps we can get there, but uh, some kind of check-in on how the, how the team actually, how they are kind of, are they thriving or is there, are there any kind of issues? But when it comes on the product end, I've worked in a lot of product organizations, then, measuring high performance do you think that has a lot to do with the impact the team actually um have on the the constant context they are in what impact do they have on uh, creating um and creating impact in the uh, product or uh, making process more efficient in the organization which also has another type of impact so i do think it kind of varies depending on the context so for product organizations what i've done is more of getting some kind of soft value, like uh, Jens talked about, but then also getting that, connecting some kind of North Star or some kind of um, more metric that measures impact in the product, because we don't want a team to only be happy people, really good at collaborating and working on the same things, but it's not really doing anything. Then it's not high performance, it's just a good team. And so we, to getting to that high performance part, we actually need a measurable outcome of the team that also impacts the thing they're supposed to work on. So it, it's a balancing act. That's how kind of I see it. Um, yeah, I think I got um, everything in there. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's a it's a really good response, and um, obviously it's a such a good aspect again of the of the uh, whole topic in general from Thomas. So Thomas, to come back to you off the the points that the other guests have made, what 
you, you know, what have you got from them uh, in terms of advice or other ways that you can take into your team? Is that these things like measuring emotions or things that you're already doing or are these things that you could go in and implement? And how do you think that relates to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, working in such a big company as we are, 1,600 people spread across multiple continents and time zones, uh, we do have some big internal processes going around started by HR, which are helping us massively. Obviously, having HR professionals is always a help in this area. And um, we are using these kind of surveys and, and looking into, into the sentiment in the team and so on. So this is really great help. And obviously, we also learned that doing this only once a year is not leading anywhere. Uh, and we are moving to more of the, of the regular checkups. And this is really great. I really agree with you, and as you said, it's it's not hurt creating a happy team just for, for sake of their happiness. Uh, it should be really tied to some outcome. And this is something what I've seen in the past quite a lot, that these two things, at least in my experience, tend to be very much connected. So if you have a happy team that can collaborate, they can really you can see all the healthy behaviors you want to see there, you get those results as a byproduct of that. Uh, you will see they can solve problems, they can collaborate with other teams, they can deliver what they need, they can change on, on their work easily if they ask to. So uh, this, these, if, if you look for these healthy behaviors, you can get them. And yeah, this is something that was very much interesting. If, if, what, what's your view on this, guys? So yeah, thank you for that. Thank you very much. No, it's, again, another really good question. Another uh, thank you to the three guests as well. Um, similar type of uh, topic, Magnus, I'm going to come to you next um, to ask for your question because I think these two questions relate to each other quite well. Um, obviously, Thomas talking more about the the KPIs and the how we measure that. Um, so, Magnus, please give us your question and then we'll let, we'll go from there. Um, all right. OK, so the question I have is what constitutes what's the definition of a high performance team? Uh, the background being when when you and I had this conversation and I, I started looking into it and read a lot of articles online and stuff like that. And it I was kind of surprised when I read what I read because it kind of talks about very fundamental things like, well, you know, good collaboration, good communication, capacity to deliver and, and so on and so forth, which to me is not high performance. It's like, you know, hygienic qualities of any project team delivering anything really. So I was a little bit, dumbfounded by the fact like well so what's the the high performance part of this is it just the the velocity of it or is it the quality or is it both or is it just another label that we add to things today because we have a tendency that everything has to be maximized um a bit of a philosophical philosophical question perhaps but uh, i i just couldn't help myself to kind of start digging into it at least no, I think it's a it is an interesting take on it. Um, I'd like to hear Frida's uh, point of view on this. Yeah, because when I when I saw this question, I can I can only agree to it. I started to Google also about the uh, reading articles and see what happens. And uh, uh, wow, uh, there's uh, we're definitely not aligned on uh, what it means. And a part of me, when I started think I started to think about it, um, talking about like a well functioning team with all the aspects of that collaboration. Yeah, trust within the organization. We've talked about a lot of those aspects. Then, being a well-functioning team, that's kind of what the how the team would describe themselves. As soon as you put a high performance on it, that's something that someone from the outside would tell about the team. That's kind of dawned on me that 
high performance a team would never say they're high performance. It's someone outside of it that sees this is a high performance team and probably because it's so well functioning that it does its job really, really well. And uh, velocity is also the thing that I've seen teams that start to push out so much design, but velocity is not a thing in design. It's need to be the right thing. So I do not think that those things that come into high performance, it's more of, it's almost like an assessment you need to do of a team, the output of it, which impact does it have? How's it functioning? Uh, how, what, what the things that they create, uh, how do other uh, parts of the organization react to it? It's almost like an evaluation. You need to evaluate the team. Okay, it's well functioning, but it's also high performance. Yes or no? So it's, it's sort of kind of as an outside perspective, but um, yeah, I do not think we're aligned, but I think we can get there. <laughs> <laughs> that's always the goal that's that's a good goal to have um thomas what what are you what's your take on this so like i say it was maybe relates quite closely to what you were asking previously so uh interesting to hear your thoughts on this yeah very interesting point of view from frida on, on the outside perspective and do you agree with that um i think it comes down a lot of to what's expected from team uh what are the external expectations so uh your performance is measured when you, when you compare it to what's expected from your team. So yeah, if, if your team can really meet those expectations or exceed them. So it really needs to be also compared with uh, what do we expect from those guys and, and what they should be delivering and how. So yeah, things like velocity does not necessarily need to be in place. As we mentioned, it's more about quality than quantity when we talk about design. So yeah. External expectation that, that that's something that um, really um, rings a bell with me when, when talking about this. And uh, Jans, what's your take on it? Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think that was really good about the out, uh, outside perspective. Um, I, I, I work as a, a coach many times and I, I go into companies and organizations and help them, help teams and, and individuals to <clears throat> become better at something. Uh, many times it's about way of work. Uh, but the, the, the interesting thing is that some, sometimes a customer comes, a client comes to me and say, uh, we need to uh, fix this team. They have to be uh, high performance, get, uh, get into that state. And then that's the outside perspective. It's somebody in the organization that we need to fix that team. <clears throat> and we, as a coach, go in and work with people and uh, people process, process and way of work and, and so on uh, to make it uh, uh, becoming better. Uh, uh, many times that team hasn't had the chance to say that we, we want a coach. <laughs> Uh, so some clients that I work with um, have the other approach that they ask the organization, they ask the individuals and teams that uh, is anybody interested in uh, becoming better, improving in, in a way of work, in, in, like in design process or working with discovery or working with research and so on. And somebody, some, a few of them raises their hand, we would like to improve. And then I, I come in and help them. And there's so a huge difference in how I'm uh, uh, received because if somebody else tells me to fix them they're like sitting there like kids and like we don't need your help really but our manager said that uh, and, and in the other way 
the people really like and I'm more involved in, in a team and can do uh, much better work. So I think uh, uh, there's so different approach to this uh, creating these high performance teams. But also I think it's the outside perspective. I think consultants, this is kind of the consultant jargon that we kind of sell high performance teams. That's a buzzword that we're trying to sell. Uh, so I think uh, uh, I'm probably one of <laughs> to blame for that kind of uh, wording, uh, so, so to speak. Okay, that, well, on that then, Magnus, what, let's go back to you since it was uh, obviously your question that was asked. From what you've heard from the other three there, just from what Jens was talking about um, in the last, last point of discussion, just refer back on what you've heard and what you think uh, relating to your question. Well, I think it was a really interesting point that Frida brought forward, and it sounds like we all kind of like, hmm, okay, so there is actually an external label to this, really? Okay, so we don't have to deliver a high-performing team? Okay, good. But I, I think it's interesting because, again, it feels like, it seems like it's a label or a, some kind of tr attempt to define or create some kind of measurement on something that is fairly intangible which makes it difficult to measure. I don't believe in measuring intangible things because you don't, if you don't know what you're looking for, you don't know what to measure. So again, it seems more like it is a, a jargon you use to perhaps pitch a team or look at a team saying, well, that's dysfunctional. It should be high performing because you know the stuff that comes out of the team is not good enough or whatever the, the, the outcome might be. So again, I, I think it's more of a, a buzzword and a jargon than an actual uh, measurable uh, entity. Um, I'm more inclined to think that a, a well-performing team is about, you know, the flow in the team, the well-being, the the balance and harmony in the team, perhaps, and also the quality of work, obviously. But I think we could probably strike out the uh, the high-performance team from our vocabulary as we move on. Yay, one zero. <laughs> <laughs> and. Um... Obviously, I think everyone's commented on uh, what Frida mentioned there. So, Frida, I'm just going to come back to you quickly. And uh, can you expand on the point that you made and why? Why did you, you know, why did you say that? Why did you come to that conclusion? Was it from what you you researched, or have you got a specific example of where you know you've got personal experience from it? Yeah, I've seen. I definitely have experience with teams that are would be uh, uh, by the team themselves seen as a well-functioning team, but they are so interested in do other things than what the organization re needs right now that their output is not in line with the, uh, with the organization. So probably that's a team that could, uh, uh, could be someone from outside that sees, sees his team and then they go to Jens and go like, Jens, you need to help them. I could, I could really see this uh, happening. And I'm seeing it from an outside perspective, have to an uh, adjacent team. But this, the thing is that the team themselves, it's really well-functioning. They're collaborating, they're ideating, they have a, the same goal, they're doing all the right things. But the outside perspective is still, it's not high performance. So even though you might look at the study and say you're ticking all the boxes, you're not, uh, it's still not high performance. So even though you have the studies, all the studies say the same thing, you should do all these things to make it high performance. I agree to Magnus' point of like, it feels like we have a tendency to, uh, to put a label on things. Uh, it's a way to sell it also. Uh, but yeah, there, there's something there. Um, mm -hmm. But that also, I just had a thought then to, to like Jens also looking at teams. When you, when you get that question, like, 
get into this team and help them. They're not high performance. What comes up? It, do you agree with me that sometimes they are actually well functioning? It's they're just not aligned, or like what tend to be the things that pop up? Well, let's hear from uh, Thomas on that. Yeah, very interesting points, both uh, Frida and Jens. And I, I just keep wondering when you were talking about this, uh, people coming from outside and saying like, these guys are delivering value, but we don't see it really. Isn't that just a problem of the measurement? The data aren't really looking in the, in the right value. Team might be high performing, but the, they don't perceive that in the right way. So team might be very well all right. We just need to have that coaching for that stakeholder or external person coming and saying that. Brilliant. And um, Magnus, did you want to just jump in there? No, I, I think it's really interesting what you said, Frida. And and, and uh, again, very Swedish. We all agree, and it depends, but all those things. Um, however, I mean, coming from a, a background of working in some American large corporations, consultancies, right? And we have this annual review, and you have a measurement, right? Underperforming, you know, need improvement, performing, or, you know, and then, you know, exceeds performance and stuff like that. There's like a, a rate, right? Five scale rate of, of what you can do. And Every time we did those, I had to remind my team, listen, just because you don't get exceed or excel doesn't mean it's bad. If you meet the expectation, it's actually quite good. So again, back to my initial comment about, is it like a label that we add on something to kind of promote the, some kind of superior quality to it? Whilst actually when looking at it, and back to Jens's point, if a team works, it is by definition performing. And if it's high performance or low performance, doesn't really matter because again at the end of the day they get the job done so uh, just a reflection on the uh, the labeling thing and the the rating thing i think that's something that um uh, sometimes gets in the way of actually looking what are we actually looking at very interesting and um jens do you want to just come in lastly before we move on to the last question yeah i was thinking about uh, what thomas said about metrics um because uh, i got feedback uh yeah, a few days ago, uh, from a, I was working in a team uh, maybe a year ago, uh, and uh, I got just uh, last week I got feedback from uh, from a stakeholder in that organization, and she said that uh, that team was such a high performance team, <laughs> and they were delivering value, but the thing that uh, we did that was good that we talked and uh, we showed our work. Uh, which didn't happen uh, after I left or before I was there. They were doing the same work, uh, but they didn't talk about it. They didn't have a good product owner that could show the rest of the organization what we did. So just by doing that, uh, they thought that we something happened within Team Buenaca, I mean, but I didn't do that much. I just uh, helped the team show what we were doing, and that should also be included in this, I think. Brilliant. Yeah, thank you to uh, everyone for chipping in on, on the different aspects there. And it was a, a really good uh, question, Magnus. So thank you for that and a good, good topic of discussion really there. Um, so we'll move on then. Last but by no means least, uh, Frida, we'll come to you for your for your question and the final question of the podcast. Um, yeah, so I work, as I said before, I work at a consultancy firm uh, responsible for a lot of people. And um, 
when you look at uh, also with uh, clients, but also within the team, you often have these uh, KPIs. And we talked about metrics already. So I, I can also feel that this everything is connected uh, as it usually is. But uh, when it comes to when it comes to teams and what they what they do and talk about high performance, there's often some kind of business side to it that becomes really strong. It's uh, it's economy, it's KPIs, and it's yeah, those terms uh, very much come into play, which often means like, commercials tend to be really strong. So there's just a, a thought on how you how you balance the individual. I really, for myself, really like to build the individuals and their connections to each other in that sense, build a high-performance team, but just listen in a bit more on how do you actually build individuals, um, poking the brains of other uh, clever people, so <laughs> perhaps learn something. How do you do it? How do you balance business and people? Yeah, really interesting point of view, because uh, like you say, a lot of focus does tend to be on the business side of stuff a lot of times, KPIs, and then you sort of spinning it a different way and well hang on let's actually focus on the people aspect a little bit because the people make the team don't they so uh very good point um who wants to come in first any any volunteers on this one thomas coming to you sure sure uh so yeah uh from my perspective um at least what we are doing um uh, in kindred is we try to go with people first so try to map out what people for the development needs what are the desires with their current skills and how we want to develop them, how they want to develop themselves and try to map it out to our current needs and try to find where it's common ground and try to start from there. Obviously, it's impossible to map out everyone perfectly for a development and how they would see themselves for a future. But we're trying to find the space where we can do the most impact and be very transparent about this to those people tell them, like, this is this is how we're going to connect your development to the work you're going to look for company and, and how it's going to have an impact for your career. We're currently starting a new version of, of uh, creating skills matrix and development plans and trying to see if that would help us even more um, because before it was uh, a bit more of a classic 360 reviews where you had lots of text, but uh, it was really hard to get some more tangible items out of that. Uh, we now went to a little bit more granular view of of looking into people's skills and how we're going to combine them in the teams and how they're going to take up on challenges together in a way they can help uh, help each other out and obviously they will deliver on the project in the best way possible. Magnus, let's hear from you on that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I always say that, you know, uh, as a designer, you you know the the intent, the purpose of the, the reason for being is being created within certain kind of boundaries or frames, right? And, and obviously with commitment and, and and responsibility. But and then if you were to move, you know, the opposite of that, the opposite side of that would be you know becoming an artist, which would be that you could be created without no boundaries whatsoever, right? I think it, in essence, it's the harsh reality of being a designer, isn't it? I mean, we are creative in a commercial environment. We need to bring in the bucks. We need to sell the product. We need to bring in the hours or whatever it might be. So I think we just need to accept the fact that that's the case. Now, how you balance that, um, I, I can't remember who was said, but at the very end of the day, we're, we're dealing with people and the people will deliver the value. So if the people don't feel good, there's no value to be extracted from that. So Again, I think it's more focused on the dynamics on the individuals. Again, it depends context, which team, the individuals, and so on and so forth. But if you make that work, I think the commercial side will kind of 
not automatically happen, but it will be easier to connect, you know, the team delivery or the performance of the team and map that to any kind of value or business measurement on the other side. Um, I think, I guess. Um, yeah. Just yeah. No, I, 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 yeah, no, that's brilliant. And uh, coming to you then, Jens, I think this, this should be right up your street, really, from a, a coaching perspective. This is, you know, this is your bread and butter. So interesting <laughs> to hear what um, your take on this is, talking like very people centric and how the people make up the team rather than the business side of stuff. So please, yeah, give us your your take on it. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough question. Um, I can tell you a, little, a, a story that I worked at a, at a large bank in Sweden and we we started to um, kind of building that design capability, uh, hiring people, hiring designers. Um, and the focus was really on, on scaling the design uh, group. Uh, <clears throat> and um, we did that further away, went like for, from three to 25 in a few years. So it was kind of lots of people coming in. And as soon as the designers came in, we uh, we put them in projects in different parts of the organization. Uh, even though they were kind of part of the design group, they were mostly out in the project for a long time. The project was going for, for years many times. And it was, I remember one, uh, one meeting, I was standing in front of the design group. And first of all, I, I, I didn't know these people because I hadn't seen them in, in a few years, <laughs> kind of that way. And the designers didn't know each other either. Uh, they were out creating value in the projects, which was re really good. And the, the, uh, the, the managers and the, the project leaders and so, they were really happy because they saw the value that they were creating, creating business value. And, and, and that was one part of what they were uh, measured on. <clears throat> but, but we started noting, noticing that uh, the, the, the design group didn't really, they weren't really happy. They were just delivering and then going home. There were no connection. They didn't have time to talk to each other. Uh, they, were, they didn't know each other. So they were kind of afraid to kind of, when we had design critique, uh, they, they, were, they were kind of too nice to each other because they didn't know each other. Uh, so we couldn't get any quality in the discussion. We saw the people started to uh, uh, going elsewhere because they didn't feel, feel the connection to anyone. Uh, so when we kind of realized that, we, we understood that we, we need to start measuring, uh, of course, uh, on, on this and start talking about it, uh, doing one-on-ones uh, and starting uh, to say that we need to, to see each other and work uh, with each other on common goals uh, so just setting up like uh, we need to meet once once a week or uh, every second week and working uh, together on a specific topic and and learning to know each other and having fun and going out and doing social stuff and just within maybe a two three months there was such a different group uh, and you know when sometimes you just work on and then you just realize what a mistake you've done <laughs> so that was kind of and uh, that was kind of a, it was it's, it's a nice memory i have from from that part of the journey uh, and you need 
have that business perspective, but still have the people perspective. In, in the way yeah, of. yeah. Um, Magnus, let's uh, just hear from you on on that point there. Yeah, no, sorry for stealing your the, the air on this one, but I first of all, I really like your approach on that one. Yeah, it's really good work because uh, I had a similar situation way back then, mid nineties, working at a consultancy, grew a design team, and I was actually asked if I were would be interested in placing out designs on different floors of the house because they were so fun. Uh, it was a bit like, you know, can we add a little bit of flower here, a new rug or something like that? And I realized that that's going to kill the team because all of a sudden they will be like uh, adornments, right? Embellishment to the, the culture rather than actual delivering work. And so I distinctly said no to that um, because, again, it, it is about, you know, creating the dynamics between individuals that constitutes a good design team, I think. But I, I'm really happy that it went well for you, Jens, on that one. Good work, man. Brilliant. Thank you. Um, Frida, let's come back to you since it was your question um, before we, we wrap up a little bit. If anyone else wants to make any final comments, please feel free to do so. But um, yeah, Frida, let's hear from you after you've heard from the other three guests. Yeah, thanks so much for sharing. And it's um, um, yeah, it's just interesting to hear how, what you, how you do it in, in other organizations, also structured in another way. So we're consultancy. So the challenges we have right now is to have all these consultants and they're spread out in different clients, very much similar to what you just described, Jens. So the business part is, of course, the, the client has a business perspective and our company has a business perspective. And then you need to build people both at our firm and at the client. So kind of you need to do like the two different ways at the same time. So I'm try, I've tried to in the people and use some of this. There's a lot of studies out there on what makes people thrive at work. So you, there's... Um, there's so many different ways of cutting it, but like one study says that if you, people know what's expected of them, that they feel value, that they learn and develop, and that they have a sense of belonging, that then that can make you thrive at work and it will make you stay somewhere more. It can also make you probably more well-functioning also as a team. But we've tried to connect that also on how we staff like client projects, but also which initiatives we have in the organization. So we kind of have that as a, at least just remind ourselves of it now and then that are we doing this is, is it good for the business yes is it also good for one of these four things that can make someone thrive at work if yes then we do it if not then it's perhaps it's arguable uh, of course you can do things solely for the purpose of uh, business but you can do that for so long and then it's gonna start to tear down on the motivations within teams so at least you need to find uh find something that you build something is it building belonging or is it uh, value or something like that so i'm trying to connect it to it but uh, it sounds like perhaps uh, that i'm on some kind of right track because it's not that uh, unsimilar from what jens just described <laughs> as long as we're on the right track that's all that matters <laughs> yeah you have to take it in steps Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, area based around the whole topic. Um, so thank you for that question. And um, obviously that was our, our last question. So before we leave it there, I just want to say a massive thank you to the four of you for being on the panel. Um, brilliant questions posed and it's a really interesting discussion. So thank you for your engagement. And I think it, all the listeners will learn. You say million dollar question, I think we're... Uh, maybe halfway there um so we'll uh, we'll leave that for today this has been the evolution exchange podcast um if you would like to get involved on the podcast please feel free to uh, reach out to me on linkedin 
and we'll see you next time.